All right. Here's the definition uh, of this word. So it's a Greek military term, meaning to arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. And then there's a non-military use for this word. And this is what I've been focused on, although both are are relevant to what we're talking about. But this non-military use was a voluntary attitude of giving in. I know we don't like to give in. We don't like to give in. We see that as a sign of weakness. This is a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. When showing honor to God. When showing love to God. He wants it to be voluntary. He wants it to be voluntary. He wants it to be a sign of affection, a sign of trust. He wants it to be voluntary. Nobody wants to be loved as a result of pulling teeth. When Cadence was younger, she used to get so upset when Stella didn't want to be with her. Stella's our little, our little Morky. She's adorable. I should have had a picture of Stella. Um, and, and Cadence would want to hold her and kiss her and kind of smother her. And Stella would take off. She would run and she'd come to me. She'd like, and Cadence would be like, Dad, don't let her come to you. I'm trying to be with her now. I'm like, baby, she doesn't want to be with you. She's kind of freaked out by you right now. Maybe you need to back off a little bit. Maybe you need to back off. See, now, when Cadence comes in the room, Stella's little tail starts wagging. She starts moving towards because, because now Cadence understands that, hey, if she wants to be with me, I'm gonna, I'll take her with me, and I'll love on her and pet her and take pictures and do TikTok things with her. She loves Stella. In our relationship with the Lord, God wants it to be voluntary. Quite honestly, uh, anything you apply to your lives just because a preacher or anyone else in our lives or or a parent tells you it's the right thing to do, if we're only doing it for those ways, then that is not hupotasso because it is not the right attitude. It is not an attitude that is voluntary. Submission is voluntary. If you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, you won't have to turn anywhere else. We're we're going to be there. We're going to be there for a while. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 11. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians uh, 13. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 14. Um, And and I want to to read a passage. Uh, Every week I have read 1 Corinthians 11, 3. This week I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 11, 3 through 5, okay? So I think I've given you guys ample time to turn there in your Bibles or your Bible apps. I'm reading out of the ESV, 1 Corinthians 11, 3 through 5. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. Simply put, Paul makes it clear 
that God has established principles of order, authority, headship, and accountability. So in biblical thinking, the, the idea of head, the idea of headship um, and authority, it means this. It means to have the appropriate responsibility to lead and the accountability that comes with leading. It's to have the appropriate responsibility to lead, to be a head, and the responsibility and the care that come with leading. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. There's a response, there's many responsibilities that come with that. To not just lead, but there's accountability to God for how I lead, for how I care, for the responsibilities I have to tend to my bride, to care for my kids, to point them to Jesus, to provide, to teach to correct, to discipline, to love. Those are responsibilities. It is right and it is appropriate to submit to someone who is our head. It is right and it is good and it is appropriate to submit to someone who is our head. With this understanding in this passage, we saw... Uh, three headship relationships. Jesus is the head of every man. Man is the head of his wife. And God the Father is the head of Christ. Now I want to point something out here just so that we're obvious. Notice I didn't say man is the head of woman. Did you notice I didn't say that? Different times, husbands have said, preacher, pastor, Mark, friends, can you come in and talk to my wife? She's doing blank. (laughs) And maybe she'll listen to you. And every time I've told them, guys, I have no authority in your home. You're the head of your home. I have no authority in your home. I have no authority over your marriage. You are the head of your marriage. You are the head of your wife. Are you pointing her to Jesus? Are you praying with her? Are you talking? Are you listening? Are you loving? Are you making sacrifices? Man is the head of his wife, and God the Father is the head of Christ. The Father is the head of Christ. Because Paul connects these three relationships, the principles of headship are the same among all of them. The idea of headship and authority is important to God. In his perfect plan for mankind, one essential thing that God looks for and what he looks for in you and I is voluntary submission. This is what Jesus showed again and again and again. Again and again. This is what Jesus displayed for us. This is what Jesus modeled for us. 
voluntary submission to the Father. Jesus understood what it is to be a man under authority because he was under the headship of the Father. He was always impressed when people talked to him about authority and they understood the concept of headship. He was always impressed by it because he himself modeled it and exemplified it. He cares about it. I've made this point each week and I'm going to make it again right now because it's vital that we understand this. Being under authority does not equal inferiority. Being under authority does not equal inferiority. Just because I am the head over my wife, does that, not mean, that does not mean that I am superior to my wife or that she is inferior to me. And I pose this question. Anybody see Jesus as inferior? Anybody see Jesus as weak? Heck no. But he was fully submitted to the Father. Fully understood headship. God values honor and authority and submission. And I want to segue here. When God calls women in the church to recognize the headship of their husbands, again, it is not because they are in any way unequal, because they absolutely are not. They're not less than. But God makes this call because in the culture of the kingdom of God, this is something that he cares a bit more about than maybe us in our culture of northern Colorado in the United States of America might value. I said before, I had, we had a family across the street that was Armenian. We had a Chinese family uh, you know, a few houses down from there. I learned different aspects of their culture. Today we need to learn different aspects of the kingdom culture, especially when it comes to headship. There's a God-ordained order of authority that is to be respected and followed by all. So I read verse 3, which I read every week, no questions really about. Have you ever wondered about verses 4 and 5 that I read? I want to read those again. 1 Corinthians 11, 4 and 5. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. And we already saw that the head of man is Jesus. So it's saying every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. And we saw that her head is who? Her husband. Since it is the same as if her head were shaven. So what do you think this is about? If you answered authority, you're correct. This is about authority. Praying or prophesying, having his head covered. For a man to pray or prophesy with his head covered was a shameful thing because here's what that message conveyed. By the way, men, if you came to men's Bible study, we covered this 
like for a while. We went just finished up First Corinthians. Now we're in Second Corinthians. I encourage you guys to join us for that Zoom back in, commercial over. For a man to pray or prophesy with his head covered, here's what it said. It said, I am not, it says, I am not walking in authority here. It says, I'm shirking the responsibility of authority here. I do not carry the mantle of authority. That's what that meant. And that is a shameful thing to God because God has called men and and specifically husbands to be leaders. And when you walked into church during this time in this culture to have your head covered, it was a visible sign saying, I'm not in authority here. And don't, don't get this twisted. I mean, obviously God's in authority. But what God wanted to see is, I am a man of authority. He praised the centurion for saying those words. I'm a man of authority, under authority. I know authority. And men, God wants us to walk in biblical godly authority. So praying or prophesying with a woman with her head uncovered. Anybody want to take a guess what this meant? This was a definitive statement of her saying, I am not under authority. That's what it meant. I'm not under authority here. I'm calling the shots. No one gets to tell me what to do. I'm the boss. Karen, I have this joke all the time. where that, uh, Yes, I'm the boss. She'll say, I'm the boss. And I'm like, yeah, actually, that, that falls into your realm. And that sounds like, I'm the boss. Because God established that the head of the woman is her husband, it dishonors her husband or her head for her to say this by refusing to wear a head covering. That's what that meant. Okay? That's what that meant. That aspect might be culturally significant to um, to the Middle East, to Jerusalem, to Rome, to and, and still is significant culturally to those parts of the country when it comes to veils and head coverings. So let's not... Lose the bigger truth here. The kingdom principle that needs to be grabbed a hold of is headship. Authority. Yielding to authority. Voluntarily submitting to God and what he says. So under these words, Paul says this. In some of your translations, it might have said this. It might have said, when a woman prays or prophesies, or when a man prays or prophesies. And, and that word when, it's a, it's, a, it's a good, valuable word. Like if I was to say, when Brandon takes me to Del Frisco's and orders me an overpriced steak, I'm going to really love it. When connotates it's happening, it's taking place. Now, I, I, if I were to say if, if, that's a different phrase. In this passage, Paul says when. When a woman prays or prophesies, when. And I, I make this point because you need to see that that Paul is like green light, you know, thumbs up, green light for men praying and prophesying. Thumbs up, green light for women praying and prophesying. Men and women, teens and children are free to pray, to prophesy, to speak when 
they demonstrate that they are under the authority of the God-appointed leadership. If a kid comes up here and he's constantly rebellious to his parents and he wants to bring a word to the church, probably not going to happen. If they can't respect the authority set up by honoring their mother and their father, learn that principle, come back, and then you, then you, you will be given that honor of, of, of speaking in the church. If, if there's a wife who comes up and maybe she's constantly bad-mouthing and throwing her husband under the bus, and then she wants to bring a word. Makes it a whole lot tougher to see when somebody doesn't understand that godly principle of submission and authority because it's one of honor. Not just honor to the parents or honor to the spouse, but honor to the king. I want to read something out of 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven, and I, I want to ask you, I'll go ahead and ask you ahead of time. I want to, the question I'm going to ask after we read this is what, what is the subject? What is Paul talking about, okay? 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Everyone's heard that, right? Most people have heard that. What is Paul writing about here? Is he writing about children? The topic's not children. Come on, you know 1 Corinthians 13. What's 1 Corinthians 13? It it has its own name. We all know it by this name. What is 1 Corinthians 13? The love chapter. Soon we'll be reading about the love. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. In this passage, Paul's not talking about Children, he didn't shift topics from talking about love to talking about children. He's talking about we are to love in a more mature way. We are to set aside selfish ways of loving and we're to love with a genuine authenticity that is mature, not like a child. He uses children to make the point, right? But 1 Corinthians 13, the whole thing from start to finish and even the first part of of chapter 14 is all about love. Right? But he uses this to make a point about love. Let's turn the page to chapter 14. Before I read that, I want to say something here. Here at this church, you can speak. But if you choose to speak, you are responsible for how you speak and submitting to leadership when you will speak. You can pray, but you are responsible to choose to pray in a manner that is honoring, that is honorable. You have to choose to be responsible for the right way to pray and submit to leadership when you will pray in this corporate setting. You can prophesy. You can prophesy, but you have to be responsible in how you do it and then submit the timing to the leadership in this church. I'm going to give you a phenomenal example. Couldn't have scripted it any better. This morning, Christine comes up to me, and we're worshiping, and I just feel like it is rich. 
And right when she comes up, I feel like the Lord's saying, hey, stay in this groove, stay in this groove, stay in this flow. So I'm like, I'm like, hold on one second. So we worship for a bit longer, and I'm like, what you got? And she shares with me. She's like, well, I have this story, and she has this scripture. And, and she said, so it's the story? I said, okay, what's the heart of that message? And she shares the heart of that message. And I go, okay, let's just stay here for a second. And we continue to worship. And Marie looked at me like, should I give that word? And I'm like, no, let's just keep going. And then later on, I, Kara was leading a song. So I got her attention. I gave her, I'm like, yeah, we're going to do this. But, but before that happened, I turned to Christine and I said, the heart of what you're supposed to share is the heart of what you're supposed to share. Maybe that scripture is for someone else. That story is for someone else. But the heart of what you're supposed to share is that right there. But what the Lord doesn't, he doesn't want us to, to be too far off. He wants us to stay in this flow, this sweet spot of worship. So can you just speak that? And she's like, yeah, I, I don't think I'm supposed to, after, I don't think I'm supposed to do the scripture at all. I go, I totally agree. And then I even told her, I said, after you speak that, that's going to require prayer. So pray that. And she's like, okay. You know what? That was perfectly an example of 1 Corinthians 14, which we're, we're going to get to. A perfect example of, of Christine having a word from the Lord, a prophetic word to encourage the body and point people to Christ. She submitted it. I felt like part of it needed to just hit the cutting room floor. And she trusted my authority and my heart was the Lord saying, stay in this flow. Don't stay in this flow. And I even told her, I'm like, hey, I'm just going to be candid with you. This can't be long. Didn't, didn't I say that? I'm like, this can't be long. You've got to say this. You've got to say this quick because I want to get right back into worship. How wonderful was it when she came up and shared? How wonderful was that? People online, thumbs up right now. You got those little emoticons or whatever. Just hit the like button or whatever. Hit it. It was great. We're going to read, and I need you guys to stick with me. And I'm trusting you with this. I'm going to read 32 verses. We live in a soundbite age. And, and this can't be a soundbite. We've got to grab a hold of this truth. We live in a soundbite age of things that are taken out of context. Heck, we're crying out loud. I just read it in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. Great scripture. I love it. But it's in the context of love. It's in the context of love. We're not just supposed to grab any old scripture we want and apply it to any old thing we want. That's a soundbite. That is fake scripture or fake news or you guys, let's work with that. We'll, we'll come up with something better for next week. It's fake something. Um, we're going to read 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to read 1 through 32. However you best focus, then you got to choose that for yourself. The, the scripture is going to be behind me. If it's reading along, then you do that. If it's closing your eyes and really listening, then you do that. But I need you to stay with me because we're going we're gonna to go to a spiritual truth that we need to grab a hold of today. And it's key in this theme of submission and headship. So First Corinthians 14, 1 through 32. Paul just got done with the love chapter. He starts verse 1 here. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. 
The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. I forgot to tell you this real quick. I want you to listen to the theme. Okay? I want you to listen for the theme. I want you to, I want you to really think about what, what Paul is talking about. Stay focused on what is his theme. What's, what are the primary things he's talking about? Okay? All right? Picking back up in verse 6. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? But, uh, and if the, the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So, with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praises with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Man, he's right back at it, right? Just a chapter earlier. So brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Okay, we're at verse 26. Stretch it out. Okay. All right, we're good. All right, we're we're at 26. Okay, 26. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only one or be only two or three at the most, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church 
and speak to himself and to God. So that word keep silent is going to be used three times in this chapter, and here's what it means. The translation is hold your peace. It's not telling you shut up. A lot of times we look at certain phrases and we insert our own interpretation. Keep silent doesn't mean shut up. It means hold your peace. Hold your peace. I know you got something. I know you got something. Hold your peace, okay? Verse 31. Uh, Nope, where am I at? Uh, It's not 31. 29. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. So here's, it's that same word, keep his peace. Keep your peace. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, if someone brings a prophetic word and then someone else is about to bring a prophetic word and the first person, and and someone says, oh, oh, hold on, this first word says this. It's saying the, the, the second person who's bringing a word, let that person hold his peace for a second while they unpack the truth of that first prophetic word. Does that make sense? Let, even though he's got a prophetic word, let him hold his peace. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are submitted to, are subjected to the prophets. So there's that word, hupotasso, um, submission. The spirits of the prophets are submitted to that prophetic gift. Okay. So I don't want you to blurt it out because if your answer is like way off, I don't want to be like, that's not it. And if you have the right answer, I don't want you to become big headed and be like, I knew it. But what's the topic? What's Paul talking about? For 32 verses, what is he making abundantly clear? He doesn't, he doesn't deviate from it. He is... We just read 32 verses. Kudos, by the way. For 32 verses, Paul is talking about the building up of the church, and he specifically uses the means of the prophetic again and again and again and again. The prophetic builds up. Build up the church. Let the church be built up. Be built up. Right? And the building up falls under the umbrella of godly order. And you can do it, but let there be two or three at the most. And if this happens, then this needs to happen. And then there can be these, and you can speak, but you just can't speak over on top of one another. And if someone um, says, hey, I believe the Lord is speaking this and that, we need to unpack that. We need to be patient before the Lord. And, and you prophets, just because you've got a prophetic word doesn't mean you, you, you get to blurt it all out. You have to be submitted in how you bring this. Godly order, right? For 32 verses, godly order building up of the church with the emphasis of the prophetic, right? Are you with me? Are you all online with me? Y'all better not have gone to the bathroom. I'm just saying. That's not the time to go hold it. Verse 33. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And he's, he's speaking to the Corinthian church here. He says, as in all the churches of the saints... All right, this is fun. It is fun time now. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches. 
for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the law says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home for it is shameful for a woman to speak at church. I'm letting you know, and I'm speaking for Andy, as the elders in this church, we are accountable to God with what we share. We are under his headship. And the things that we teach and that we declare as truth, we are accountable to God. And with clear conscience, I'm telling you right now, this passage of scripture that I just read has been a soundbite that has been used out of context forever. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, a lot of people, um, Donnie Lane, I know you guys are watching. Hi, Donnie Lane, Arizona. Um, the Passion Translation, Elaine loves the Passion Translation. And, and she turned me on to that. I'll tell you what, some people say you can't say the Passion Translation, but I'll tell you what, the Passion Translation got this passage right. You read this passage at another time, not now, it's my time right now. You read this passage in the Passion Translation and it absolutely gets it right. It translated it correctly. So I'm going to tell you right now, Paul did not all of a sudden shift gears and do a reversal and take us off topic. That is not what he's saying. Here is what he is saying. You can all prophesy, back to 31, you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. Be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are submitted to prophets for God is not a God of confusion and of peace. As in all the churches of the saints... The women, and and once again, this word be silent is the same word for let them keep their peace. When it comes to the revelation of the prophetic word and hashing this out, Paul is saying, women, at this time, I'm asking you to hold your peace. He's not saying you can't prophesy. He's saying there's been a prophetic word given, and now that there's a processing of the revelation of that what is god saying and what paul is pointing out is a potentially chaotic situation saying there needs to be peace in the midst of this situation i'm going to back to to verse 30 verse 30 if a revelation is made to another sitting there let the first be silent let the first hold his peace and he's speaking here to those that are prophetically gifted so first he says those of you that are prophetically gifted, I know you got something to share. But our God is not a God of confusion. He's, he's just about to say this. He says, so if you're in the midst of sharing, but, but there comes a point of, hey, hold on, we need to unpack this first word. What's the revelation of that? What is God saying of that? What does that mean? He's saying, prophets, sit tight. I want you to submit. How come we don't point out the fact that in this passage, Paul, in the same verse, in the same area, he says, prophets, keep your peace and be submitted. But when it comes to the part about women, oh yeah, that's when we get to say, women, be quiet. You don't get to speak. Submit. Anybody come up with a fake news synonym yet? That's not what Paul's saying. Now, for whatever reason, during this time, and to maintain order, in God's 
kingdom culture, when there comes the unpacking of revelation after prophetic words have come, to make sure that peace is kept in the service, he's saying this is a governmental function. And wives and women, at this point, you've got, I know you got something, but I need you to hold it for now because we need to bring peace to this. He's still talking about the prophetic. He's saying, okay, we're not just going to move on. We're not just going to, we're going to be patient and, and orderly and we're going to unpack this. And so wives, and it says it here, I'm going to paraphrase. You got something to say and I get it. Or maybe you got questions and I get it. Or maybe you don't understand and I get it. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to honor your head. And I'm asking you to hold it for the sake of the corporate meeting until you get home with your husband. Then you and your husband talk about it. But I'm telling you right now, if you interrupt the service with this right now, that's going to be dishonoring to your head. In kingdom culture, he's saying at this moment of camping on the revelation that was coming forth from the prophetic, be submitted. And here's how we know that Paul never deviates from prophetic. I'll pick it back up in 35. If there's anything that the wives desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church, to, to be interruptive in church, okay? Once again, this is the direct context of there's things that, that you guys can discuss later, but for the sake of the corporate setting, there's supposed to be order in the church. Verse 36, he's once again speaking to the church in Corinth. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? What does he say in verse 37? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. Any of you think you're prophetically gifted? Any of you think you're spiritual? I mean, good things, right? Good things, yes, yes. Then he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. I'm just letting you know right now, Paul never deviated from the topic of building up the church and the prophetic. He never deviated from the topic of headship and authority and walking in it. And I'm also letting you know, Paul didn't immediately have a moment where he forgot what he wrote just a page or so earlier. What we know is 1 Corinthians 11. Paul didn't forget what he said when he said, women, you can pray. And women, you can prophesy, but when you do so, make sure it is done under authority. He didn't forget he said that, and now all of a sudden contradicts himself, and he's like, be silent. It's shameful for you to speak. You know what it's shameful for? That word is, um, it's only used four times in the New Testament. And it's used previously in, in 1 Corinthians 11. And in 1 Corinthians 11, when it says, it's shameful for a woman to have her head shaved, it was that whole thing about authority. And the, and the point he's making is, hey, only the, prof, only the prostitutes shave their heads. Only those who are caught in adultery shave their heads. And so it would be dishonoring. 
if you can't sit under the, the authority and the submission of, of, of your good godly husband who's loving you like Christ loved the church, then it, it's as if your head is shaved. It's as if you're a temple prostitute, not a godly temple prostitute, but in Corinth, or that you've been caught in adultery. It's that, un, it's that shameful for your husband. It's that dishonoring to your husband. So I want to I make something abundantly clear here, and, and uh, I want to land this quickly. I wanted to preach this message from day one, but there was so much to pray through because I know darn well I'm contradicting, con- contradicting what many of you have heard in church growing up. I know it. 1 Corinthians 13, it's all about love. And just because briefly Paul talks about children doesn't mean he shifted gears and changed topics and had a oh squirrel moment. And 1 Corinthians 14 is about building up the church through means of the prophetic and having godly order. And he never deviates from the topic. I'm going to read that passage in the, the Passion Translation. Verse 34. The women should be respectfully silent during the evaluation of prophecy in the meetings. They're not allowed to interrupt, but are to be in a supporting role, as in fact the law teaches. If they want to inquire about something, let them ask their husbands when they get home, for a woman embarrasses herself when she constantly interrupts the church meeting. Let's not miss the point here. We're talking about headship. We're talking about the voluntary yielding of our flesh and our will to the Lord to cooperate with his plans and his purposes. If we are to read 1 Corinthians 14 and say, no, it says that women are to be quiet. They are not to speak. They have no speaking place in the service. Then Paul is contradicting himself. Paul is contradicting Luke. He's contradicting himself multiple times. So I choose to believe that maybe it means that that Paul actually meant it when he said that if you want to speak, you can speak, ladies. But just be thoughtful and careful and be responsible for what you responsible for what you say. Submit it to the authority of the house in the timing and be accountable to God with what you say. Ladies, you can pray. You can prophesy. You can minister. But you need to walk under the headship of godly order because God cares about honor and authority and headship. Now, here's the great news. I love to talk. I love to sit down and discuss. If you just don't see it this way, let's sit and talk about it, man. I'll break out Blue Letter Bible. We'll go through the Greek, the Aramaic. We'll look at words and phrases because I did all that in preparation for this. I've done that for the past four or five weeks in preparation for this because I knew I was going to be dropping a pretty big statement here that contradicts a lot of other preachers. Probably your preacher. I, uh, not me. 
before me, free Mark, free Andy. Andy, you're going you're gonna to sleep like a baby tonight with us unpacking this scripture that way? I know I will. I believe this is what it means. So if you have questions, let's talk. Let's grab coffee. Come to my house. We'll sit on my front porch. It's really nice in the morning. I'm out there most mornings. We'll pray and we'll ask the Holy Spirit to just bring truth to us. He loves to do that. But also, if this is something that is like stoking a fire within you, get in the Word and and get this truth for yourself. Get revelation in this and own this and say, Lord, I believe this truth and I believe how you value headship.